Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you today for your grace, your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for your word. Your word is what gives entrance to light. And then light, your word lights our path. And so, Father, as we look to your word this morning, we're not interested in the, in the, the thoughts of man. We're not interested in what society has to say, what our own, even our own intellect has to say. We're interested in what your word says and what your word is and what you are wanting to give to us through your word. Father, I can't even imagine where we would be without your word. We'd be like a, like a car without a steering wheel. We'd have no direction, but your word, your word, Lord, your word is what makes a difference for us. So we thank you for it this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking about A more excellent way, Paul was talking, and you know, we started out in Second Peter two twenty one says this: For unto this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us example that you should follow in His steps. Now that sounds really simple, doesn't it? Just follow Jesus. And uh, if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, we wouldn't even have to do this. We wouldn't even have to come together. If, if, if following Jesus was that easy, we could just follow him and go about as happy little campers and it would all be good. But following in the steps of Jesus is extremely hard on our flesh because our flesh wants to go just the opposite direction <laughs> usually so he said I want you to follow I left you an example Peter said he's left us an example we should follow in his steps and every one of us has we should have a desire to be more kingdom minded we should have a, because think about it guys this isn't our home <laughs> this this isn't we're foreign yeah we're foreigners here back what was it back in the I'm going to date myself some some of you young ones won't know what I'm talking about but Petra had a song that said we're strangers we are aliens we're not of this world and uh, uh, we get so wrapped up in this world that we forget that that this isn't home You've heard Pastor Sean say it numerous, numerous times. This, this is the shortest thing we will ever do. And so we have to be, we have to come into more of a kingdom mindset. Everything Jesus did was kingdom-based. Everything he did was kingdom-based. What was the first thing he prayed when he taught the disciples to, to pray? What was the first thing he said for them to pray? What was it? Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So in doing that, as, I, as the Lord was dealing with me about this, and I've, I've already shared this, I don't take a lot of time, but I said, okay, you want me to be more kingdom-minded? I'll be more kingdom-minded. Where do I start? And he took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we've talked, there's so much that we've talked about in this, in this uh, portion of the scripture. Uh, there is so much that hinges on it more than we really, I think, sometimes understand. So I want to I talk to you today for just a little bit about the eternal aspect of love. The eternal aspect of love. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 13 and you, we start reading it at the 8th verse, you read this, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but when then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abides faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So, when he starts talking here about this, it, 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 you kind of wonder, well, where's, where's he going with this? What's, what's a, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child. What, what does that have to do with love? And as I looked at this, I began to, to see it, and he said, love never fails. The Greek word, the description, and, and, and uh, def definition of never in the Greek is never. <laughs> it means absolutely and objectively, not even at any time, never at all, neither at any time, never, nothing at any time. So it means never. So when when Paul said love never fails, that means there is no possibility. Now remember, we're talking about agape love here. The supernatural, self-sacrificing, thinking of others' love. It never fails. Now, the other kinds of love, they'll fail. They will. And some of you know that. Some of you have experienced that that those kind of loves will fail. I don't care how good a person your husband is, at some time his love is going to fail you. Don't care how good a wife you've got. Sometime or another, her love is going to fail you. Your folks' love is going to fail you. Your children's love is going to fail you. But this love does not, cannot, will not ever, ever, ever fail. Now, word fail means to, to come under judgment or come under condemnation. It means to, to, 
to fall into ruin, to perish, to lose authority, and no longer have force. So what, what Paul, think about that, what Paul's saying here. He says, this love is never going to fall down. It's never going to come under condemnation. It's never going to fall into ruin. It's never going to perish. It's never going to lose its authority. And it's never going to lose its power. The Phillips version of, of, of this verse 8 says this. It says, it is in fact the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. For if there are prophecies, they will be fulfilled and done with. If there are tongues, the need for them will disappear. And if there is knowledge, it will be swallowed up in truth. But love will not die. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty grateful for that. Because I depend on his love for me. It is the basis of everything. It is, it is my foundation. His love for, if I cannot believe and if I not, cannot have confidence in the love that God has for me, might as well pack it in right now. And because of that, that love can be manifested, should be manifested through me to others. You know, they use this verse a lot, uh, these verses. People will use these verses to say that that's why the time of the spiritual gifts is gone and done with. Because we don't need it now. But if you go down here and you read, it says that the only time, in verse 10 it says, but that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. I don't know if you've looked around lately, Uh, I don't think things are perfect. <laughs> I don't think things are perfect. So what does that tell me? That tells me that I still need these spiritual gifts. I still need them. They still have to be in operation. They are still a part of, of taking the gospel out. They're a part of presenting the gospel. And so we have to, we have to understand that. But yet at the same time, Paul's making a point here. And one commentary I read said it this way, having shown the worthlessness of spiritual gifts, if love is absent, and the supreme excellence of the character in which love is dominant, Paul now shows that love is superior to all gifts because they are for this world only, whereas love is for both time and eternity. <laughs> This is the crowning glory of love, that it is imperishable. See, there will come a time when these, when these gifts are no longer needed, when we're in heaven. You're not going to need prophecy when you're in heaven. You're not going to need the gift of tongues when you're in heaven. You sure aren't going to need the gift of healing when you're in heaven or miracles. These things will pass away. And their time will have come to come to an end. But what Paul's saying in that is they may come to an end, but love will never come to an end. Love is never going to come to an end. 
Love has a permanency that spiritual gifts don't have. Love has a permanency that spiritual gifts don't have. Love is to be pursued above all because when everything else passes away, it's going to remain. When it passes away, and they pass away, love is the thing that's going to remain. It will always be manifested, and it will always adapt to any circumstance or situation. You see, some of these spiritual gifts, you can't adapt to every situation. But love, you can. You can ad- love will adapt to any situation. It will cover any situation. It will take care of any situation. We talked a little bit last week about, I don't know if, you, if any of you got a chance to watch it or look it up, but the, the document, documentary on, on, uh, that the Chosen did and how, the, how the, the love of God impacted these young people with all different kinds of, of stuff going on. But yet the love of God adapted to their situation. And I, I remember especially the one uh, young man that had he'd been through the foster system. And uh, uh, as they were sitting talking with him after the, the guy that plays Jesus, I, I don't remember his name, but he just started talking to the guy. And he just started sharing with him the gospel. And and the love of God for him. And that young man was visibly shaken. I mean, he he like he did, he didn't know come here from Sikkim when when he was. I mean, it, the love of God impacted him so greatly. He was just flustered. He he didn't know what to do. He, there was nothing he could say. And you could see it in those other young people sitting around there. The love of God was adapting to each of their situations. And was drawing them through their own situation and adapting to it. So love, there's there's nothing, uh, I just discovered this word, so I thought it was cool, so I'm going to use it. Nothing mercurial about love. You know what I was talking about? A thermometer. And mercury in the thermometer. When it gets hot, the mercury goes up. When it gets cold, the mercury goes down. Love's not that way. It's not based on whims. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on passing fancy. It's based on the creator of the universe. That's what it's based on. It's based on the one that went to the cross and gave his life for you and me. That's what this love is based on. It's not based on how you feel. We've talked, we, we've talked about this. It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on feelings. It's based on God. It's based on who he is, what he is, and how he relates to us. Love is eternally intent on benefiting the one loved regardless of the cost. It never ends, it never fails. We sing the song, your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. On and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies the soul. It's the one thing that remains.
The Corinthians had the, one one thing. See, one reason Paul had put this in here, and we've talked about this before. The that the Corinthian church they they had some issues, and one of the issues they had is they had put an exaggerated estimate on the value of the gifts. Their value, their 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 estimate of how valuable these spiritual gifts were. They they had they had greatly exaggerated the estimate. Now they don't get me wrong. They're, they, these spiritual gifts are important. We need them. We have to have them. But they had such an exaggerated, and they had exaggerated the value of these giftings over everything else. I mean, they 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 valued they they gloried more in being having the giftings and using the gifts than they did the fact that they were supposed to be walking in love one for another. They, they, they figured themselves more of more spiritual importance because they used the gift than this one because this, this person over here didn't use that gift. So that I, now, now we, I know this doesn't happen in the church today, so let's just make that clear. That's sarcasm in case you, in case you missed it. But the Corinthians, they, 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 they overestimated the value of gifts, of tongues, prophecy, all these, and they undervalued the graces of faith and love. And what basically what they were doing, they were preparing the things that are for a time over the graces that are forever. And that's an easy trap to fall into. Especially if you're trying to do this in your flesh. If you're trying to accompany all this, I was just talking to my, my, my younger brother this week, youngest brother. And uh, he just, not too long ago, had, came back to the Lord and he just watched, and God has done some miraculous things in his life. He was telling me that he's, he's got a couple neighbors that, he has issues with and he said I do pretty good he said but then all of a sudden they'll do something that just makes me want to slap them and that and so I was able to share with him listen you you can't do this in your flesh (laughs) you you try you try walking out agape love in your flesh and it's a train wreck waiting to happen you'll end up on your face in the dirt because you can't. We talked about it last week. Love is a spiritual discipline. Just like prayer is. Just like reading your Bible is. Just like fasting. It is a spiritual discipline that you have to learn. And the only way you can learn it is by being put in positions and situations where you have to. It doesn't work any other way. You have to learn. You learn this thing by being put in places where you have to love. You know, one thing I've really tried, and I've started trying to put this into to practice, is when I get into situations and my flesh starts doing this thing, the, I, I start praying, Father, thank you that you have given me this opportunity to grow. 
thank you that you've given me this opportunity, not for me to get angry and mad, and, 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 but for me to grow in what you're saying that I have to do. You're giving me the opportunities to practice and to learn this. So we have to understand that that's, that's why this whole thing of, of love never fails. And even down in verse 13, where he says, now abides faith, hope, and, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's because love is the only one of these things, guys, that is, we're going to take into eternity with us. It's the only thing that we're going to take into eternity with us. That's why... That's why the Lord puts such an emphasis and Jesus puts such an emphasis on love. He put, love, love was so important to him. Think about this. When I was thinking about this this week, in Revelation, she wrote to the church of Ephesus. And you read it, and they had a, a long list of, of attaboys. A long list of attaboys. And they were good ones. I mean, he said, you're patient. You, you do all these things. You're, 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 you're watching and you're making sure that no uh, uh, tainted word gets into your, into your church. Into your church. You're, you're watching and you're, you're watching to make sure prophets are, are true prophets. He said, but I have this one thing against you. And he said, you've left your first love. Now, if they had left their first love for Christ, they sure weren't going to be able to walk out love for other people. Now, that shouldn't be a theological thunderbolt to you. If you're not walking, and if you, if you get stale in your love for Christ, it's going to show up in your love for other people, too. And what did God tell this great church that was doing so many good things? He said, repent, or I am going to come, and I am going to remove your candlestick. I'm going I'm to remove the relationship, because you've left your first love. That's why he placed such an important, an important emphasis on love was because he knew the importance of it. I want to go real quick and talk a little bit more about this, this uh, aspect of the, the, the eternal value of love. Go over to, to 1 John. Now, I know Pastor Sean's going to be teaching on 1 John coming up here in Bible study, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try real hard to stay in my lane here. But... Um, Man, this scripture, in fact, as I, we were in corporate prayer Tuesday morning, I was thinking, and we were praying, and man, this scripture, pow, hit me. 1 John three fourteen, And it's, it's probably a scripture most of you know, but read it again. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Hmm. Like I said at first, you know, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he, he gives you a very uh, 
a very flowery, a very poetic look at love. Whereas John in, in this epistle, it's like hitting you in the head with a hammer. It's just blunt force trauma to your spirit, to your flesh. Man, think of this. We know we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. And he that does not love his brother abides in death. So let's look at this. I looked at this first. What, what he says we know. So we're basing, we're basing this on, on not on, on, on natural knowledge. He's not talking about what we know in the natural. He's talking about what we know in the spirit. And they're two different words. And the word for know here is, 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 is this word that talks about intuitive knowledge rather than ex, experiential knowledge. In other words, it's knowledge born out of the spirit. He's talking about knowledge that's born out of the spirit, not knowledge that is born out of the flesh, our natural mind. So he says, when he talks about we know, he's saying we understand this from a spiritual aspect. We understand this from the spiritual point of view. What do we know? He said we pass from death to life. Thank God for that, huh? We have passed from death to life. Life or zoe is, is the Greek word. It's not, it doesn't refer to physical life. Y'all understand that. He's not talking about passing from spiritual life, from, spiritual, or from physical death to physical life. He's talking about passing from spiritual death into spiritual life. So he says here, and, and it doesn't refer to physical life, but spiritual life. It is the eternal life that we have here. We have it in heaven, eternal life. When you think of eternal life, that's what you think of heaven, right? But it's also the eternal life that we have here, the spiritual life that we have here, that we take of here. What, uh, and we, 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 this scripture has been mentioned a lot lately. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said what? I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So we're talking here about the life that we have here, how we pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. He said if, you, if you're a believer, that's what's happened. You've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. We have to understand something. Love is the atmosphere of heaven. When you get to heaven, that's going to be what you breathe in and breathe out. It's the atmosphere of love. I, I, that's mind-boggling just to think about it. But that's, that's, that's what the atmosphere of heaven is. And if it's the atmosphere of heaven, it's also the atmosphere of the abundant life in Christ. In the abundant life of Christ, that's what we should be taking in and giving out, is the love of Christ. Everything we do, everything we do, every time we contact somebody, they should walk away from that time knowing 
and feeling and experiencing the love of Christ. Again, that's, that, that's not easy because that fights your flesh. Zoe life is not just restricted to the life to come, but it's also our spiritual life here. It's supposed to be filled with this Zoe, this, this spiritual life. And according in, in what John says here, he says, we've, we've gone from living under the atmosphere of spiritual death over to the atmosphere of spiritual life. We as Christians, we have to understand this, uh, that we can, we can exist in the realm of the Spirit on a consistent basis. We should be dwelling in the realm of the Spirit on a consistent basis. Why? Because we're spirit beings. That's where we belong. That's where we should dwell. We should dwell in the supernatural. Honestly, we should dwell in the supernatural more than we do here uh, in the physical. Oh. <laughs> I wish you could see some of your faces. <laughs> it's the truth. We should, live, we should be able to live more in the supernatural realm than we do in this realm. I mean, there, there are people that have done it. Uh, great men and women of God that have walked so much in the supernatural that they, they, didn't, they didn't worry much about this natural life. And they did things that were just crazy. I remember reading, uh, I was reading uh, William Branham's uh, uh, biography. And he's out fishing with this guy one time. <laughs> He's witnessing to the guy, and it's just like, you know, like hitting a wall. And, and so William Bram said, what would it take? What would it take to get you to believe? And the guy's like, I, I don't know. So William Branham reaches in his fishing creel, and he pulls this old dead fish out. And I mean, it's deader than a doornail. And he says, if I threw this fish in the water and it swam away, would you believe? And the guy goes, yeah, I would. He threw that old dead fish in the water, and that dead fish floated there, belly up for a little bit, flopped over and swam off. And the guy knelt down and gave his heart to the Lord. And so, see, that's, that's when we do this, again, we... It's only living in this supernatural realm that we can truly, truly, truly be able to express and, and manifest the love of God to other people in the right way. I was, I was listening again this week. I went back and, and listened again to uh, one of the three t sessions that, that Brother Hagen did on love. And the things that that guy did in love, just you're just like, how in the world do you do that? How in the world do you react that way? He would literally, he'd, he'd go into places to preach. I, I remember another one. Again, you probably heard him talk about this one where he, he was pastor in the church. And the evangelist did something that, that, that was just whacked, okay? And so, Brother Hagen's thinking, he's, you know, thinking about this. 
And then his, his flesh says, well, just don't take him up any more offerings. He said, take it, you know, you got to take him up one or people are going to think there's something wrong. So taking up an offering, don't say anything about it. Just say we're taking up an offering for him. Say, give him what he gets, send him on his way. And Brother Hagin said, you know what, devil? Just for that, just for that, I'm going to take him up an offering every night. And if you try it again, I'll take him two offerings every night. But see, in, your nat- in the natural room, you can't think like this. It's not your, you, you're not made that way. That's not how you're wired in the natural. And that's why living in the spirit room, that's why, that's why it's so important to sing a passing from death to life. Listen, you can give your heart to the Lord. Hang on. And still not walk in the fullness of life that you're supposed to walk in. You can still be missing out on much of the spiritual life that you're supposed to be walking, walking in. Even though you've gave your heart, you gave your heart to the Lord, and you're probably going to make heaven. But he uses this, this, this uh, he's talking here, this passing from death to light. Uh, as I was reading something, it said that John used the perfect tense in this word, we know. That we passed from death to life. It speaks of a past completed action that has continual effects and results. A past completed action that continue, has continual effects and results. You see, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it's finished, that meant the work was done. That meant that work of love that, and, and putting that love in our hearts along with, with the resurrection power of Christ and all the things that we really, really like. When he put the, that, that, his love in us too, it's a work that was done there, but it has a continual effect. It has a continual result to it. And as I thought of this, I went back and I, I want to read this to you real quick. I have it here. Honest, I do. It's John 17. And uh, you all know this, is, this was probably the greatest prayer in the Word of God, John, the, this whole chapter of John 17. But listen to what, 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 what Jesus was praying here. If you read from like verse 22, we'll read from verse 22 down to... Um, Verse 25. Or let's start reading at 21. Or no, let's, yeah, let's just start at 21. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Can you see this, what's happening here? God's given his love to his son. His son has given that love to us. And through us, it goes to other people. It's a finished work, but it has a continual result. 
is as a continuing result. And he goes on, he says, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you've given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you, that you sent me. And I declare to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Man, this is so clear here. This, this is so, so clear here that this, this act, this eternal aspect of love is a work that's already been accomplished. But through us, it continues. The love of the Father is given to the love of, of, of his Son. His Son loves us the same way. And because he loves us the same way, we love other people the same way. And it, is a, it has a continual effect. It has a continuous effect and result. So we have, to, we have to see that agape is one of the spiritual disciplines, one of, one of the few spiritual disciplines that, has a, that will have value in eternity. You really won't need to pray anymore. Honestly, you think about it. Because you'll just be able to commune with him, fellowship with him. Worship, you'll worship in heaven. You won't, you won't need to fast anymore because there won't be any reason to fast for anything. <laughs> yes. Agape will adorn us in eternity. We will be clothed in agape love in eternity. And it should adorn us now. <laughs> it's going to adorn us in eternity and it should adorn us now there's a scripture where God says be clothed doesn't he say that be adorned with this love so that's what we know we know we've, we've passed from death into life but how do we know it how do we know it? How do we know? What's the evidence that we have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life? John said, because you love the brethren. Because you love the brethren. Because you love each other. The evidence of spiritual life is shown in a person who is habitually loving others with a love that compels them to deny themselves for the benefit of others. The evidence of spiritual life is shown in a person who is habitually loving others with a love that compels them to deny themselves for the benefit of others. Our spiritual nature is based on and in the love of Christ, isn't it? A person that shows no such evidence has their true nature exposed. Ouch. Your true nature is going to get exposed. What's going on inside of you, sooner or later, is going to get exposed. I have to hurry. i got four minutes. 
You can carry the love of God into any circumstance and see it change. I'm going to say that again. You can carry the love of God into any circumstance that you find yourself in. I don't care what it is. You can carry the love of God into that and watch the love of God change that thing. But the thing is, see, it has, we're, we're, we're the conduit. The love of God is, is going to come through that, that, into that circumstance. It's going to get manifested through us. And that's how it changes. The evidence that you are in the family of God is that you love people you would normally in your flesh not be able to. I'm going to say that again. The evidence that you are in the family of God is that you love people that you would normally in your flesh not be able to or not have any desire to. That's how you know you're in the family of God. Let I'm just reading the word to you, folks. This is what he said. This is how you know you've passed from spiritual darkness to spiritual life because you love the brethren. You love people. I'm going to shut down with this. God created in us. He created us as spirit beings with a fighting nature. Didn't he? He created us with a, a, a fighting nature in our spirit. Who are we supposed to be fighting? We're supposed to be fighting the devil. Supposed to be fighting the enemy. Supposed to be fighting against evil. Supposed to be fighting against all these other things. And there, there is such a cry for that right now, isn't there? Got to use your voice. Got to speak out. Got to, you know, make the truth known, and all of that is true as it can be. Because if you're not fighting the devil, guess who you are going to be fighting with? You're going to be fighting with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, I wish I had a camera. (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm telling you the truth here. This is the truth. If you spent your time fighting the devil, if you spent your time going into spiritual battle against him, you wouldn't have time to be looking at anybody else across the church from you or anybody else that just tweaks your little thing the wrong way. You wouldn't have time for that because your focus is your focus would be your focus is on fighting him. And if you're if you're fighting him, you're not going to have room to fuss with anybody else. Good preaching. And no Christian has the right being in any fight unless it is a spiritual one. <laughs> Whoo! No Christian, no believer that has passed from death unto life has the right being in any fight unless it is a spiritual one. Sorry. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. (laughs) Well, what about war? What about fighting in a war? Come on, you get down to the basis of that, you're still fighting a spiritual battle there. You are. You're not fighting just... 
you, you may be thinking you're fighting for your country, and, and that may be true, but I, in, in, the, in the real essence of this, you're fighting a spiritual battle. Think about it. When we were in World War II, we, again, this goes back. You're not fighting people. You're not fighting people. You're fighting, you're fighting that spirit of Antichrist. You're battling against that spirit of Antichrist, which was all uh, uh, Hitler and his regime was. It was the spirit of Antichrist. Same with the things that were coming out of Japan at that time. It was the spirit of Antichrist. And so we have to understand that. We love the brethren not for our sake, not for their sake, but for the sake of Christ. I'm going to say it again. We love people not for our sake, not for their sake, but for the sake of Christ. Our love crosses us over because we don't wait to feel love. We love immediately. We manifest it immediately. We find ourselves dwelling in the spirit realm as soon as we find ourselves willing to put the interests of others before we do our own selves. Isn't this fun? Not because of natural affection or affinity, but because we belong to Jesus, and so do they. This is the more excellent way. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.